Uh, Mark, you know what that music is, don't you? Mark, what are you doing? Mark, get, get in front of your microphone. I, I don't know what that is, Wade. What is oh, that? Oh, gosh. That's, that's uh, Michael Gore's theme from Terms of Endearment. Oh, I like that theme. Yeah, you, know, I, you know what? My favorite Michael Gore score what? is Defending Your Life. Oh, that is a good one. Yep, had a great yeah, main theme. That is a good one. Well, that's, that's from Terms of Endearment, which we will uh, explain later. Uh, but that being said, Mark, you know what? Um, uh, to start the show, we have an interview, by the way. Wait, we, we, had, we had an interview last week. We have another one this, this week. This one are we a talk show. This one is very special to me because uh, this is with documentarian John Reese, who has a new film out, which is a sequel to a previous documentary of his. He made a graffiti documentary uh, called Bomb that was tremendous. It's all about you know graffiti is art and uh, the history of graffiti. And Bomb Two is out, and um, it's basically just glo- traveling the globe and looking at all these different kinds of graffiti, and it's the, the breadth of the art of, of you know, street art and graffiti. And uh, John Reese was, uh, was a TA of mine in film school. Now, does John Reese... Before Twice. We, now, does John Reese, yes. does he condone tagging? I, I didn't ask him that, and Good. I'm not going to. You'd better say no to that. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we have a great interview with John Reese of uh, Bombit Two coming up, and uh, you know it's it's amazing. It's been as long as it has. But John John was you know Alexander Payne was a um, was a TA for some of the other classes, and I had John. I had John. John was you know just fun and funny in the class. They made him miserable in the class. <laughs> they just no one took him seriously, and you know he was he took it very seriously. And look where he is. You know, the rest of us losers, look where we are. Anyway. Let's uh, talk about movies. We're going to talk about movies. You know, first off, I'm going to blow through a bunch of uh, 20th Century Fox stuff that has come out on Blu-ray. 20th Century Fox does this, uh, this thing every year where they, they poll uh, people over what films from their catalog they want to have uh, released. And they, you know, they, they kind of they, they provoke it a little bit. They lay out these titles and they kind of seed it. They're like, which of these would you most like to see? Now, that doesn't mean that the transfers are good or there are any extras. The, you know, true. And, and these, are all, these are all fairly bare bones. Some of them have commentaries and trailers and things like that. But for the most part, they, they do a good, de- a good job with the transfers. They're not brilliant, but they're certainly good enough for most people. Uh, up front is Tyrone Power and Maureen O'Hara in The Black Swan, which is kind of a sort of generic swashbuckler, but it's, it's just an old-fashioned film. It's a pretty good script that's co-written by Ben Hecht. And uh, it's, you know, it's got, a, it's, got its, uh, its, you know, technicolor bravura and the whole thing. So it, it, feels, it feels good. It feels pretty good. And uh, it, it's worth renting probably more than anything else, but definitely worth a look. Clark Gable in Call of the Wild. Uh, this was one of the first uh, films to really kind of put Jack London's sensibilities up on the screen. Um, I think this is a pretty good film. William Wellman did a very, very good job with it. You know, William Wellman, very much a man's man. We talked some weeks ago about uh, last year. You talked about the documentary about William Wellman. Yes, yeah, a very uh, good one it was. You know, he, uh, he really brings that, uh, you know, that wings mentality to this. I mean, he just, he was a man's man, you know, and he was a, he was a war veteran, and it's very good. Jack Oakey is in it, Loretta Young. So that's on Blu-ray as well. Looks really good. Uh, Tyrone Power also in Jesse James. Uh, and, of course, you know, my father was a, had, had Tyrone Power as a student at one point, and I always enjoy watching Tyrone Power. I think he's not a very good Jesse James, I've got to be honest. Um, but I still think it's a good film. It's, uh, it's a little too, you know, glamorous and all that, but uh, nicely shot and pretty solid. Also directed by Henry King, who... Uh, Henry Kissinger? Henry King, who did The Black Swan. So. Henry Kissinger? Another one of their, uh, their collaborations. Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn, always an absolutely wonderful pair. And uh, the desk set. Desk set Come is on. pretty great. You know who wrote this? Ben Hecht. Henry Efren. <laughs> Zach Efren's uh, father? No, not Zach's father. Nora's father. Oh. And, uh, you know, film royalty all. 
and uh, it, this is a, this is a delightful, lovely, delightful, it's a lovely, lovely, delightful film. And uh, you know, Henry Efren also produced it, by the way. But uh, just well, Henry Efren actually is Nor Efren's parents, Phoebe and Henry. They both wrote it together. But uh, you know, it's it's a it's a lovely film. It's just lovely. The chemistry is never better. Uh, my favorite is The Ghost of Mrs. Muir with Gene Tierney, Rex Harrison. And your favorite and mine, Charles Nelson Riley. Yeah. Right? Oh no! Wait a minute. No, he was on the TV show. Oh. Never mind. Sorry. Uh, but uh, no, th- this is the the movie that obviously inspired the television series, uh, minus Charles Nelson Riley, minus the comedy. The uh, the TV show really had much more to do with uh, Bewitched and uh, I Dream of Jeannie than anything else. They were Which looking. Nobody quite remembers that show. Ghost in Mrs. Muir? Do you think people remember that show? Does that not show really. hold up? It does hold up, actually. Really? Yeah, it does hold up. It's really a lot of fun, but it's not this movie. You That's know? correct. Uh, Gene Tierney's wonderful. Rex Harrison is wonderful. Very different, by the way, from the TV show, but still really good. Has uh, commentaries on it by Greg Kimball and Christopher Husted, and uh, Janine Basinger and Kenneth Geist, all of which are really good. Uh, so you definitely want to watch this and sort of soak it in. Joseph L. Mankiewicz uh, directed it. Of course, that was in his, his heyday when he was one of the hottest guys in Hollywood. Uh, John Wayne and Rock Hudson in uh, The Undefeated. Not my favorite Western. Andrew V. McLaughlin was kind of one of those guys who just did very, uh, you know, uh, journeyman, workman-like Westerns. And, and this is one of them. It's a, it's a good transfer, but, uh, you know, there, there are better Westerns out there. So I'm going to recommend this strictly to people who are kind of uh, specifically fans of the genre, which also goes for North to Alaska, which is a little better, also, you know, but still kind of a generic John Wayne film. Uh, this one was directed by another one of those uh, Western journeymen, uh, Henry Hathaway. Guys never really did any masterpieces, but they sort of were very efficient in, within the genre. So uh, North to Alaska, also out on Blu-ray, and it looks quite nice. Uh, problem with this one is it's based on a play and doesn't really fit very well in the, in the film format. And then uh, Dorothy Dandridge, who of course was played by uh, Halle Berry in the television movie that won her an Emmy, uh, stars in Carmen Jones, which is a really, really good film. Uh, directed by Otto Preminger, also stars Harry Belafonte, who uh, recently uh, gained a little bit of notoriety by being the guy who was presenting the New York Film Critics Best Director Award to Steve McQueen in the moment when Armand White apparently started uh, flipping out and getting Tourette's uh, in, in the middle of the banquet. Uh, in any case, yes, Henry Bar- Harry Belafonte, Dorothy Dandridge, Pearl Bailey as well in uh, really an extraordinary musical that uh, features, uh, you know, great music and great lyrics that are kind of stuck together in a very strange way. Bizet wrote the music and Oscar Hammerstein uh, did the, uh, the book and lyrics. And it all fits together in a, in a rather remarkable way. Um, you know, so that's, uh, that, is a, that is a terrific get. I highly, highly, highly recommend that one. Mark? Yes, sir. Let's talk about some new films. Uh, new films. We have uh, on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital HD, ultraviolet. We have Captain Phillips. Uh, I like this film. This film is fine. This is uh, right there in the Paul Greengrass uh, handheld camera, jittery, shaky, editing, whole tense thing wheelhouse. Um, Tom Hanks plays the uh, titular captain who is on a U.S. container ship that winds up getting taken over by a crew of Somali pirates. The guy who plays the head Somali pirate is excellent. This uh, Burkhat Abdi, who had never done a film before. And they plucked him out of, I think, Philadelphia. He's terrific. So um, I like this film a lot. I think this is very tense. This is uh, based on a true story, and uh, it's good. It's good. It's a, it's a very good uh, uh, Blu-ray transfer. Greengrass's films are not really meant to be super slick. 
Um, there's a little bit of greediness to his stuff, so don't look for like super slickness in this uh, Blu-ray transfer. But it was mastered in 4K, and that's always a good thing. So check out Captain Phillips. Very good. In a World is the uh, movie written, directed, and starring Lake Bell, who is... Uh, I kind of don't get her, but whatever. You know, I, you know what? Here's the thing with this movie. In a, in a World, it's cute. Late, as a director, Lake Bell does the type of job that somebody would do if they're directing their first film and they went to a couple classes, read a couple books, had a bunch of good teachers, and they decided to direct a film. Not a lot of flair, not a lot of flash, but gets it done completely fine. Um, it's about a voiceover artist played by Lake Bell. You know, she lives in a world where voiceover artists are predominantly men, including her, her father. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a bit of a romantic comedy, a bit of a workplace comedy. So... I think this film is a bit overpraised. Uh, people really love this film. I think it's it's fine. It's kind of cute. Um, I think Lake Bell should maybe either grow a lot as a director or stop directing. Uh, but in a world, it's cute stuff. There's a couple right. good moments in it, but generally overpraised. Yeah. You know what I really like, Mark? Uh, ice and, cream? And it's shocking. Yeah, well, I like ice cream, too, but I really liked Ain't Them Body Saints. I, I liked this it, was, too. I thought yes. this was a terrific film. I very Very Malick-like. Uh, Casey but there's Affleck. an actual story. There's a, no, I mean, there's a really good story. And uh, Casey Affleck plays this, this guy who's in prison. He's escaped from prison. Rooney Mara's his wife. Everybody's kind of loitering around, thinking he's going to show up and track down his wife. Uh, ben Foster is a, is a cop who may or may not have a thing for the wife, who had something to do with him going back to prison. Flashbacks fill all this stuff in in, in a very poetic and, and just fantastic way. Uh, writer-director David Lowry is the real deal. And I'm amazed that I'm praising this film this much because David Lowry was also involved in a film that I have increasingly come to completely loathe and despise over the course of the last year as everyone else gushes way too much over it, which, yeah. is, uh, which is Upchuck Color. No, I'm upstream, sorry, Upstream Color. Upstream Color, a very interesting experimental-type film from Shane Carruth. Oh. I like that film a lot. And well, uh, I, I think that film was totally captivating, intoxicating. I loved it. Whatever. David Lowry was the co-editor on that film. I don't like that, but I like this. And I think this really, really nails it. I think he's got a huge future ahead of him. I think he's a very, very polished uh, filmmaker. And uh, I'm enormously looking forward to anything else that he does. This includes a making of documentary, deleted scenes, music video, etc., etc., all the kind of stuff. And uh, as well as St. Nick, which was the first feature that David Lowry made, which is a lot rawer, but you, you see the pieces kind of coming together. And I always enjoy when the short films and the student films get thrown on there because then you can see the evolution of the artist. And I thought he did a really fantastic job there. Um, and then uh, A Single Shot is a movie that I thought might get a little bit of traction at awards time, but it, it didn't. And uh, everyone kind of forgot about this, and I guess partly because, you know, Welgo didn't really, Welgo who released it, they normally do, you know, Hong Kong martial arts films and stuff like that. And I guess they're not accustomed to necessarily running an awards campaign, but I think they should have because um, Sam Rockwell is really, really damn good in this. Um, it's, uh, it's about a guy who's he's just a blue-collar guy, kind of down on his luck. Uh, takes place, I think it's upstate New York, if, if memory uh, serves. But um, kind of, you know, the Appalachian area a little bit. And he's, uh, he's a hunter. And there's a, um, there's a noir twist to this. And I'm not going to tell you what, what happens, but he gets into a thing a little bit over his head. And he's got, you know, a, an ex-wife and a, a little daughter, and he's trying to get a job, and sort of, and they're all the, and, and there's a thing that happens with some money. He comes into some money, and the money 
has a pretty nasty trail attached to it. And then you obviously get into the, you know, this whole uh, film noir um, uh, narrative that just unspools in a very, very fairly predictable way. It, it, it does some things that are not very good in terms of the writing uh, that are very obvious and that just kind of lays the exposition out there. But that being said, I thought Sam Rockwell was terrific. William H. Macy plays a really, really creepy attorney with a limp and a wig. And um, I think there are a lot of good things about this movie. Definitely worth a rental. Don't know if it's necessarily worth a purchase, but it's definitely worth a rental just for Sam Rockwell and how good he is. Uh, Wade, uh, Bad Milo is one of those films that really, really, really wants to be a cult film. And when you really, really want to be a cult film, I can tell you to go to hell. Because yeah. I will decide what becomes a cult film. Uh, that, uh, I read the synopsis of that when it got released, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So Bad Milo is a, uh, you know, a cultish uh, B-movie black comedy type thing about a guy who um, has a lot of stress in his life, and uh, the stress starts manifesting itself as a gigantic monster living in his ass. That's and then eventually it. the monster uh, leaves his ass and starts killing all the people who are creating his problems. That's so, you know, but the thing is that there is something to be said about, uh, it, it actually reminds me of, um, remember the Chevy Chase film, Modern Problems? Yes. Right, when he uh, gets bathed in radioactivity or whatever sure, it was, he winds sure. up being the super guy who can like snort all the cocaine mm-hmm. he wants. That was funny. Milo, not as funny. Ken Marino, Jillian Jacobs, and uh, Peter Stormare, who's always uh, worth a laugh. Starring Bad Milo. Uh, you know, I guess if you like this kind of stuff, go for it. I just felt like it was just trying so hard to be one of those films yeah. that uh, I just was not into it. Outtakes, uh, there's an, a couple of extended scenes, deleted scenes in it. Um, there's commentary. So it's a decent Blu-ray package, but uh, ultimately, unless you, if you really, really like B-movie type stuff, go for it. Otherwise, forget it. Well, there it is. And uh, Insidious Chapter 2, you know, did this need a a Chapter 2? Yes, it did. Of course it did. Really? Every movie needs a sequel, Wade. That's the world we live in. Anyway, uh, you know, I guess they're scary. I guess it's uh, it's a thing. Anyway, uh, so uh, if you liked Insidious, I guess you're going to probably love Insidious 2. James Wan, I love the work that he did on The Conjuring. Not so much a fan of the Insidious Thing now, but I guess I guess it's, that's his new franchise, right? From Saw to Insidious, and The Conjuring was the anomaly. Too bad. Conjuring's a really good film. Anyway, a bunch of uh, exclusives here on the uh, on the Blu-ray. This is a Blu-ray DVD and uh, ultraviolet set, and you get some on-location stuff, and uh, you know the it, it, Leigh Whannell's Insidious Journal, and you know, all right, fine. There's a, there's even a webisode thing. Whatever. It's all strictly fan-oriented. So um, sure, go for it. Whatever. Uh, Wade, Luc Besson doesn't direct a whole lot of films because he's too busy uh, tending to his producing empire. Uh, but he did come out of re- producing, uh, reti- uh, directing retirement for The Family with Robert De Niro, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, great cast, lousy film. Here, uh, De Niro and Michelle Pfeiffer, who, by the way, finally resurrecting her career after years of presumably raising a family or not being hired. Mm-hmm. Don't really know, but uh, she did star in that horrible uh, Dark Shadows thing. And now she's in this. She plays, uh, she's married to Robert De Niro. Uh, he plays a mafia boss uh, whose family is relocated to a small uh, uh, town in France. And, of course, his past comes back to uh, haunt him. And, you know, I just think this thing is just, it's very violent. It's like a funny ha-ha violent. It's a black comedy that never really kind of comes together, at least for me. It's a pretty superficial kind of a movie that ne- never really settles into whatever tone it wants to take on. Um, just, it, very promising. Love the cast. Like the fact that Bassan is finally directing again. But I just think that this film is just really a misfire. And it's very oh, dull, well. a bit lifeless, not really into it. The Family. 
A uh, couple, of, couple of little underrated films from last year that people just forgot, and you really should rediscover these. You know, On the Road was not a good movie. I thought On the Road was really a, a misfire, the whole Kerouac thing, right, with Kristen... Uh, Kristen Stewart, uh, not Kristen a fan. Stewart, not a, not. But you know what? Big Sur, which was directed by Michael Polish, and, you know, the Polish brothers have had a really interesting trajectory. They've just sort of gone off in this very... They, they had a great run at the beginning, and then something well, happened. But then they made this, this one film uh, about a year and a half ago that was a huge, like, independent seller on iTunes, and they're really kind of pioneering a lot of new distribution uh, venues. Anyway, Michael Polish uh, did Big Sur last year based on the novel by Jack Kerouac, which is itself based on an episode in Jack Kerouac's own life. And uh, it's, it's sweet and it's romantic and it includes some wonderful performances. Uh, Jean-Marc Barr, who hasn't done anything really noteworthy since The Big Blue, is terrific. Kate Bosworth is the best I've ever seen her. Josh Lucas is in this. Anthony Edwards. Uh, it's in, and Rada Mitchell. There. I mean, it's a really great cast. It's a solid film, and uh, it's it's sweet and old-fashioned and, and very 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 moving. And then, kind of on the other end of this, this spectrum, is a movie that really just uh, everybody missed. I don't know why people didn't just connect to this. This movie should have taken off. CBGB. Did you see CBGB, Mark? You know, I never did, actually. Fantastic. I love this movie. This is absolutely terrific. It's done in that whole kind of... Um, because, the, it, you know, based on, the, on Punk Magazine, it, it, they have transitions here where you kind of... You, you, everything turns into a cartoon and then comes out again. It's very creatively done. It's the story of punk. It's the birth of punk at the CBGB Club, which was originally supposed to be for CBGB Country Blues, Country Bluegrass and Blues. And um, uh, Hilly Crystal who is this kind of schlubby loser who founded the club, never imagined that it would become ground zero for these groundbreaking punk bands, you know, for Blondie and Talking Heads and Iggy Pop. And it's amazing. And suddenly he is the godfather of this explosion of music in the 1970s that literally created the American punk movement. And uh, I, Alan Rickman, of all people, if you're casting a movie and you say, we need a kinky-haired, schlubby Jewish guy, American, does Alan Rickman occur to you? Yes. No. He nails it, man. He nails it. it is, it's unreal how good he is. He's funny. The movie is, is cheeky, but it's accurate, and I just thought it was terrific. And it, it was released by Accelerator Media. Uh, that's X-L-R-A-T-O-R. And, um, you know, it's out on Blu-ray and DVD. They only sent us the DVD because they're, they're apparently a little bit uh, skittish about how poorly the movie did theatrically. But you've got to rediscover this movie. Uh, it, it's just a really, really fun film. You'll have a great time with it. Absolutely great time. Uh, Wade, you will not have a great time with Best Man Down. Best Man Down is with uh, Justin Long, uh, Jesse Weixler, yeah. Francis O'Connor, and Shelley Long, everybody. Mm. Oh, the best man dies right before the wedding, and the bride and groom have to go bury their new best, for the best man, oh. and getting the body back to the Midwest is going to be crazy. It's unbelievable. Anyway, uh, I'm not saying this film doesn't have a good heart. It's just a little bit It's just sloppy. It's not that funny. The, the comedy scenes are a little bit like, kind of like a little bit like hackneyed, you know? Yeah. So uh, this went straight to DVD or Blu-ray as well as well it should. Best Man Down, I would pass. All right, Mark, I'm going to... Uh, Kill yourself? Yes, exactly. Right on, right on, on microphone. I'm going to do that. Uh, we have a bunch of stuff from uh, the Warner Archive collection that uh, kind of accumulated since last year. I'm going to fly through these, and then we are going to get into Bomb It 2 and my interview with, uh, with my old teacher, my old TA from film school, John Reese. So first off from the Warner Archive collection, all of these are DVD-Rs, is uh, Leonard Nimoy, Blythe Danner, and Dabney Coleman in Never Forget. 
um, which is uh, it was a, this is a you know a, a TNT original production, and uh, it's uh, one of the better Leonard Nimoy performances because it's all about basically he plays uh, Mel Mermelstein, a guy who uh, you know you know the story, don't you? It's yeah, it's about Mel Mermelstein. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's it's it's, 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 a, it's a whole it's a whole Holocaust story. It's about you know trying to, to to sort of bring this case before the United States before the judicial system. Leonard Nimoy is Jewish. Yes, he is. Uh, a couple other TNT originals here: uh, The Hunchback, starring Mandy Patinkin and Richard Harris uh, and Salma Hayek of all people. Kind of a weird twist on The Hunchback of Notre Dame. This was done for TNT. Uh, a little bit, of, a little bit peculiar, but not terrible. Directed by Peter Medak, who I've always liked. And Peter Medak, a very unusual director. He did everything from Love at First Bite to, to Let Him Have It. He's a bit of a journeyman. He's a journeyman, but he's done but, good stuff. But Let Him Have It is an amazing oh, movie, yeah. amazing film. I don't know why he just. But he, he's a little bit unsettled, but no, it's it's an interesting you know take on The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, Young Catherine with Vanessa Redgrave, Franco Nero, and uh, Christopher Plummer. Of course, anytime Vanessa Redgrave and her, her lifelong love, Franco Nero, are in a movie, it's, it's, worth, uh, it's worth checking out. Um, and this is directed by Michael Anderson. This is also a TNT original. And, uh, you know, it's the whole story in, uh, in 1744 of when, uh, you know, the young um, uh, Catherine is taken from the... Uh, She's supposed to become like the queen of or the the queen of Russia, right? The czarist and that whole it's that whole palace intrigue story, and um, it's a little bit convoluted, but it's for the most part pretty good. Uh, so I mean, it's you know if you if you like uh, television produced costumers, I guess you'll enjoy it. Danny Kaye, The Goldwyn Years. This is a four film set uh, that includes Up in Arms, Wonder Man. Uh, a Song is Born and The Wonderful Kid from Brooklyn. I think Kid from Brooklyn alone makes this recommended. The others are fine, but Kid from Brooklyn is amazing. So uh, if you want to just sit around and watch Danny Kaye movies all, all day, that's a great one. Um, Jack Benny and Ann Sheridan are terrific in George Washington Slept Here. This is not as funny as you might hope it to be because Jack Benny is funnier when he's just doing his show and when he's doing kind of television serial shtick. But it's pretty funny. It's pretty darn hysterical. So that's, uh, that is also recommended. Uh, Horn Blows at Midnight, another Jack Benny special with uh, Alexis Smith. This is much funnier. All of these films actually declare them a riot. Uh, but Horn Blows at Midnight is funnier. That's the better Jack Benny film. And then uh, Classic Shorts from the Dream, Fa Dream Factory, Volume 2. That's uh, 36 theatrical shorts on three discs from the uh, 1920s, 30s, and 40s. You can't go wrong with this. It's obviously hit and miss. Some of them are better than others, but uh, most of the stuff from the 30s in particular is just sensational. You realize that the shorts they made then are better than the features they make now. Uh, the Half-Naked Truth with Lupe Velez and Lee Tracy, strictly for people who actually know who those two stars were. This is uh, an RKO film, and uh, it's, it's in the Warner Library only because they acquired RKO. Lee Tracy in Turn Back the Clock, again, strictly if uh, you actually know who Lee Tracy was. And then lastly, uh, Lee Tracy in The Nuisance. If you don't know who Lee, Tra Lee Tracy was, you're not going to want to look at these. If you do, you'll, you'll love them. Shirley Valentine, a total gem with Pauline Collins and Tom Conti that uh, people have forgotten about. I think this is a great movie. One of the best films that Lewis Gilbert ever made. Definitely check it out. That is finally out on uh, DVD again. 
The Rose Tattoo, previously out from Paramount, then discontinued, now out through the Warner Archive Collection with Burt Lancaster and Anna Magnani. Won three Academy Awards, including Best Actress. It's a little bit uh, melodramatic, but it is uh, still the Tennessee Williams stuff kind of shines through, and uh, the Hal Cantor adaptation is, is a decent one. It definitely finds, you know, cinematic edges to the, uh, to the, to the material. And then also discontinued by Paramount, but uh, now resurrected in Warner Archive, is This Property is Condemned with the wonderful Natalie Wood and Robert Redford. Better chemistry here, by the way, than in uh, The Way We Were, because Natalie Wood and Robert Redford, it, it, it's, it's a better match. Robert Redford, very handsome. Natalie Wood, hot. Yeah. You Robert know, Redford, but, but, handsome. Robert Streisand, Jewish. No, but Barbara Streisand, wacky, funny, not, not sentimental. Robert Redford, not funny. It just that didn't work. But anyway. Robert, well, you're saying Robert Redford's not funny? He's but in League of Eagles, he was hilarious. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, anyway, directed by Sidney Pollack uh, early in his career and quite solidly, uh, and this, uh, this is not an adaptation of a uh, Tennessee Williams play, but it is suggested by a one-act play uh, by Tennessee Williams and co-written by, of all people, Francis Ford Coppola. What? Did you ever know that Sidney Pollack directed something that was co-written by Francis Ford Coppola? No, I had no see, idea. See, Coppola was a, was a real kind of workman-like uh, screenwriter at once upon a time, and that's what he did. He was just the screen, screenwriter-y guy, and then he became the director of The Godfather, and the rest is history. So, Mark, with that, we are now going to move into my interview with John Reese on Bomb-It 2. And, you know, uh, I'll tell you, I, I had so much fun with John in film school. He, uh, he, he taught all of us an enormous amount, including Norman, by the way. You know, Norman had him twice. Norman and I were both in the, uh, in the film and the video classes that, uh, that John was, the, was our TA in. And uh, a no-nonsense guy, very serious about everything that he did. And I look back and I kind of feel bad about how wacky a lot of us were. You know, you're, you're kids, you're in college, you're goofing off. And he just took it all so seriously, and he was all about the craft, and his movies show that. He really, really, really does, uh, does fine work in his films. And the Bomb It was a great doc. Bomb It 2 is just as good, and it's really interesting. He talks a little bit about uh, how this came to be and, uh, and how they put it together, and uh, it is really, really interesting. So without further ado, here is an interview with John Reese, director of the documentary Bomb It 2. We are talking with uh, John Reese, documentarian who made the original Bomb-It and just made Bomb-It 2. Uh, I have a, a bit of a history with John. He was an amazing uh, TA for both of my production classes at UCLA Film School, and I credit him entirely with uh, helping me escape with an A in both classes. So thank you, John. Um, You're very welcome. Let, let me ask. You know, Bomet is uh, Bomet was such a um, it was such a revolutionary doc because it it took graffiti seriously. It made the case that uh, graffiti is an art form and that it is it is directly tied to all of these other art forms, and that it really should be included in the same breath. And um, Bomet Two is is like this amazing sequel that goes in a totally different direction. It's not it's not historical. It's not it's it's now taking us kind of on a on a world tour of all the different flavors and faces of it. People don't usually make sequels to documentaries. Could you talk about how you kind of went from the one to the other? What was the process that that uh, that birthed the, the second film? Um, well, it's kind of very practical and not as exciting as one might think. <laughs> Uh, we had created a relationship with this online service called Babblegum, which doesn't exist anymore for Bomb at One, uh, where they commissioned, we had a lot of extra content, commissioned um, like 80 webisodes from our extra content. And so we created those. And when I started, tra I wrote this book called Think Outside the Box Office, which is about distributing and marketing um, 
films for independent filmmakers um, based on my experience releasing Vomit. And I started traveling the world, you know, giving workshops and talking to people about it. And I said to Babblegum, hey, you know, I'm going to these places that I wasn't able to go to for Vomit, and there's graffiti there. Would you want to, you know, chip in some change, you know, to help me film, you know, these artists in these far-flung places? And they said, so long as you include Israel and Palestine or the Middle East, um, we're all for it. So that's kind of like what happened. And um, so basically everywhere that I went um, for Bama 2 was also tied into workshops that I was doing with independent filmmakers in in one way or another. And it was like crazy because like, you know, I was on my way to Singapore and I that, you know, I just emailed friends, people I knew from Vomit One, hey, do you guys know any people in Thailand? Do you know anyone in, you know, in Southeast Asia, basically? And so that's where I found out about Darbots, and that's where I found out about the Thai writers. And, um, you know, I wish I could have gone to Malaysia. is one of the places that I wish I had gone. And that's also where I found out. I hit Thailand, Indonesia, uh, Singapore, and Hong Kong all on that trip. And each of those was about a day or a day's worth of production, and wow. so it was pretty. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think the place that I had the most time to film was in the Middle East, where I went there. I think probably for four or five days um, altogether. You know, it, it's it's such an amazing tour because I, I don't think people realize the the amazing diversity of the artwork that exists out there. I mean, we all kind of watch news reports whenever there's a riot on the outskirts of Paris or, you know, uh, anger in the streets of Cairo. And what we see is graffiti that, you know, we kind of associate with just, uh, you know, street street gangs and whatever in certain American cities. So no one is really exposed to the the breadth of the artwork that you find right. in this film. I mean, it really is extraordinary. There's so much talent out there that yeah. that just can't express itself except in, in that particular way in that particular venue. Talk just a little bit about how, how I mean, having made the first Bombet, did you expect to find all this breadth of amazing talent when you made the sequel? Um, kind of, because I already knew that it was kind of blowing up in various places. You know, and um, so, you know, and I had already in Vomit 1, we had gone around the world and hit every continent, except for Australia, which we were able to hit in Vomit 2, um, which just leaves Antarctica now <laughs> to go and yeah. make it fully complete. Um, but, you know, I was kind of expecting to see something. And the, the thing that I hope for the most is seeing artists who kind of make it their own and kind of use their own cultural influences and that's what I really appreciate the most the people who have kind of left behind because there's a lot of writers in Tel Aviv who are doing New York style you know but I didn't you know I didn't really talk to them that much because why are you doing New York style graffiti when you live in Tel Aviv like why why not develop and you know I understand the tradition and you know and that's if you're interested in letter structure great and you know and I appreciate that and we did you know the Hong Kong guys were very interesting because for them, it was very interesting in terms of how they used um, Mandarin or Cantonese and English, and like what the what the issue you know with them using either language. And you know, I think if people were using more, you know, it would have been really interesting. And I'm sure I know there's people out there doing Arabic graffiti, really using those letter forms in interesting ways. 
which goes back to a history of calligraphy within the Arabic world. Um, so, you know, that's what I really look for when I travel to places is people who really kind of like make it their own and use their own cultural influences. Uh, it, it's just it's just an absolutely wonderful tour. It, it, I mean, on top of everything else, it sort of makes me want to revisit a lot of places. And you know, you you, you sort of discover a lot of these cultures in a whole new way. We're accustomed to going to these cities and going to all of the obvious cultural icons, the tourist traps, and the museums, and the places you're supposed to go. And you kind of give us a another face of that, which mm-hmm. I thought was really extraordinary. Great, thank you. Uh, let me let me ask you this. One thing that also occurred to me in this is that you. Uh, the whole process of self-distributing a, a documentary almost seems to follow the same aesthetic that a lot of these graffiti artists are doing. It's almost like you're all operating on the same kind of um, guerrilla artist level. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want, and I'm not going to let anybody get in the way. I'm going to bypass all the conventional distribution venues. Did, did that ever occur to you that you're, you and all these artists are sort of yeah. part of the same mindset? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, a lot of, if not all of my documentary work has been about not just subversive subcultures, but it's kind of, they all have like a DIY and I hate that term to an extent um, because it's been overused and wrongly used and, you know, but have basically the DIY ethos in a sense that if someone else isn't going to allow you to do it or pay you to do it, fuck fuck it. I'm going to do it myself. Right. You know, from, Target video to SRL to Better Living Through Circuitry and the rave culture to graffiti culture, they're all, you know, it's not, you know, permission-based. It's not like waiting for someone to give you permission. It's taking the permission unto yourself. Right. And I would say that that's a thread that runs through all of my work, and it's, it's culture that I really appreciate that, you know, does that. You know, I find that that's where a lot of the most vibrant culture is. Well, it's uh, it, they're two terrific films, and uh, you know we're gonna we're highly recommending both of them to our, our listeners. And uh, I, I got to tell you, you know everything everything that I uh, my entire kind of um, rebel film mentality in many respects really began with uh, with with you and, and UCLA. So I, I owe you a lot, and this podcast owes you a lot as well. So thank you, thank you for all of it, and uh, we wish you really the the very very best. Um, People can can get this by going to the website. Is that right? Bombit2movie.com. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And Bombit2movie.com, or if they prefer iTunes or Amazon, it's also available on iTunes on iTunes or Amazon. And um, I think pretty sure ours comes with extra features. Although I should double check that. Um, right. And I think we're about to put up. When does this podcast go live? Uh, this will go live uh, on. Let's see, we're on the 13th, so um, that'll be about the 22nd. 22nd. Maybe what we can do is get a special going uh, where we include the download and the DVD together for one low price. <laughs> uh, you you know what? We'll, we'll let let us know, and we will definitely let the we'll post it on the Facebook page. Right. Excellent. Perfect. Thank you so much, man. John, thank you for everything, and I can't believe it's been as long as it has, but uh, best of luck with everything, and looking forward to talking to you with your next film. Great. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. So that was John Reese, everybody, a, a, a an unbelievably talented uh, filmmaker in every respect, narrative, documentary, and everything else, and um, 
Bomb-It 2 is his new film. Is the sequel to the original Bomb-It. If it, it just, it's really good. It's really good. It's an amazing trip around the globe. It's just uh, this great look at all these different art forms. Don't even call it graffiti. You know, it's like, it's street art. It's just art from the ground up. It's really good. And did you ever meet him? I did not. You did not. Because, you know, Norman, that's how Norman and I met. What? Norman and I met in the, in the film school class. We're, of course, talking about our, our Norman, Norman Olstead, our friend who wrote... Uh, Crazy, Crazy for the Storm, which, a New York Times bestseller, soon to be made into a major motion picture directed by Sean Penn. Yeah, or so everyone says. But, uh, no, we, we met in, uh, in the Project One class that John was a, uh, a TA for. Alexander Payne was a TA for the other class. And um, uh, then Norman and I had John again as a TA for our Video One class. Did you ever see Norman's video? No. Where he got his ex-girlfriend to be naked in the shower for part of it? I did not. You did, but it sounds like something Norman would coax a girl to do. Yes, it was, it was really interesting. I remember a lot of us were sitting around thinking, really? You got your ex-girlfriend to be nude in the shower? Okay. Um, don't, well, don't, uh, no one knows Norman. But no uh, read his book, Crazy for the Storm. Totally. And then, uh, you know, before we get into uh, some of the rest of this stuff, uh, we've got some listener mail to go through. What listener mail? Oh, you know what, Mark? Oh, Mark, before I forget, We're before I forget, now. actually, because we didn't, we didn't get around to, the, to, to naming the winners of our, uh, our giveaway contest uh, back in the, the, the gift guide. Remember that? Need I do? Yeah. So uh, let me pull that. By the way, let me just yes. say something. Now, whenever we give away a gift... Every once in a while, we get an email from a listener saying, I have not received my gift yet. Well, this took a while because I, of the holiday and, thing. But also, you know, if, it was, if the gift was in our hands, we can mail it out Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we it have comes, to go it, through. We've got to go through the publicist and the right. whole thing. So anyway, Mama's Family was won by Frank Sanchez. China I'm sorry, Be- Frank. The China Beach, China Beach Complete Series by Greg Mariotti. And uh, Ray won the Dean Martin Rose set. Ray. And by the way, Mark... That sucks. Mark, what sucks? Um, Ray, that Ray won the Dean Martin Rose set, and I didn't. Here, Mark, why don't you, why don't you go and open this box? No, I don't want to open it, because it's, it's not something that I'm going to be able to have and take home. Go ahead. Go ahead. Open that box. Go ahead. Open that box. Why don't you open that box right on the show, right now, right here, while we're speaking. All right. We'll then talk about it. All right. Um, so I'm going to talk about... Some new movies. I assume everybody's, everybody's heard me do that. That's all right. I'm going to talk about some uh, a few new movies. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Be violent with the box, why don't you? Oh, there we go. Just destroy the box. <laughs> oh, it's the same thing. Yes, it is. Can I have it, Uncle of Wade? Of course you can. Hunky Wade. Yes. Thanks, Hunky Wade. So Ray won the giveaway, but I got thanks you to did. Hunky Wade. My own Dean Martin Complete Collection, Celebrity Rose. Big thanks to uh, Michael Krauss, a publicist we work with on a regular basis, uh, who, who facilitated that for you. So Okie way! Belated happy holidays. Thanks, Michael Krauss. You're awesome. Yeah. I love this thing. I will covet it forever. <laughs> it's so awesome. And, you know, I, I literally, on Saturday mornings, I would sit at home and watch the infomercial. Yeah. Because you used to get these on Time Life, whatever it was. Right. And I used to love watching the infomercials. Oh, yeah. it's the best. The yeah. best. And I can open it Tell now. Can I open it? Look by at all it. means. Can I open it and cover it? Look at it and cover it? Open it and cover it? By all means. By all means. Yay. Uh, so, let's see. You know what? You know what? Actually, Mark, we're going we're gonna to go through some foreign language Yay. films. We're going to go through some foreign language films. And we, and, we also, and we also have another giveaway, by the way, at the end of the show that we're going to do. Oh. We got a little giveaway for uh, Vikingdom, Mark. Vikingdom. 
By the way, I saw Only God Forgives last night. Uh-huh. I liked it. Okay. I, 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 think it's, I think it's perfectly fine. I don't know why everybody else hates it. I don't. The, the, the reaction, the, the, the contrarian reaction to that film was just astronomical and through the roof. So. You know, Kirk Douglas didn't just get to be a bad actor overnight. He struggled at it. That's right. All right, Mark. Foreign language films. Tell me this is not a great movie. I made oh, you watch this. Movie. I made you watch this. This is now awesome. this is now on the uh, the uh, one of the five Oscar nominees, The Hunt, Mads Mikkelsen, Thomas Vinterberg's uh, Danish submission. And I got to tell you, this is an absolutely outstanding film. This was in competition at Cannes. Obviously, did not emerge as one of the the big award winners. But I, if there is a spoiler, if there is kind of a, a dark horse, I'd say among the among the five, I would not be the least bit surprised to see this win out of those five. You know that. I know the great beauty is kind of expected to to be. Oh, I like the great beauty a lot. It, it's fine it's if you haven't if you haven't but, but if you haven't seen La Dolce Vita, it kind of doesn't mean a whole lot. You know that's what I mean? true. But the hunt is great. You know, the hunt is a film that <laughs> the only thing the only thing I would say against it is yes. that it's not really specific to that country. Well, but but so what? Whereas Great Beauty is, and some of these other films, you know, I, th- I think Oscar likes to award films that feel specific to the to their country. Very true, but you know what? It's an important story. I mean, those who don't know, Thomas Vinterberg plays a uh, uh, plays a guy who works at uh, like a like a, a daycare facility, uh, and who uh, has you know a bit of a shattered life of his own, and he is uh, wrongly accused of molesting a little girl. And it's about how that, that misperception just takes hold like a virus in the community and just poisons and contaminates absolutely everything. It's an outstanding film. Um, you might think, well, do I really need it on Blu-ray? You know, what's out on DVD and Blu-ray? I would say absolutely. Is it, is it like a dazzling uh, cinema, cinematographic depiction? No. But because Blu-ray puts you so much, so, gives you so much greater detail right squarely in the faces of the actors because this movie just lives in his eyes and in the, nu- the, uh, the nuances of his face... I would say absolutely. This is a, this is totally a Blu-ray movie. Um, you're enjoying that, right? This thing got destroyed in the in the, in the mail. Look, Did look, look it? at the. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, jeez. Look at the uh, look at the edges. Oh, both both edges. Oh, jeez. I'll have to take some electrical tape and. Uh, I can I can ask them to remedy that. No, you can't. Huh? What do I you mean, ask them to remedy I that? I can ask them to send a new box or something. No. Okay. I'm sure it was already a favor enough that they sent it. Well, we'll see. Now I feel bad. I feel all kind of wounded. No, I'm, I'm going to take some black electrical tape and I'll put it on the inside, so you, you won't be able to. Oh. So the edges won't be able to. It's hold heavy. Out. It's heavy. Everything in there is heavy. That's true. Yeah. He ain't heavy. He's my DVD set. Mark, you're not a Tarkovsky fan, are you? Like I am. It depends. It okay. Depends. Nostalgia. Nostalgia. You ever watch Nostalgia? Nope. Um, nostalgia is a uh, one of those. It's one of the along with the Mirror. I would almost say is like one of the most watchable of Tarkovsky's films. So Solaris, I love, but I don't know that it's that watchable for people who are sacrifice. not. Sacrifice. Oh, the sacrifice is, is is fine too, and so is you know. I mean, all of his films have that that sheen, but Nostalgia is the one that's like really kind of just this this poetic, brooding, visually intense thing. It's the one. It's probably his visually most stunning film. And cinematography is just breathtaking. Uh, it's uh, also the first film that he made after he became an exile from uh, from the Soviet Union. You know, he couldn't get the films made there that he wanted, so he he just bailed. And anyway, it is uh, it is just really, really 
Just a stunning looking film. I'm not going to even try to convey to you exactly what it's about because it, I, I do it a very, very poor service. It has almost no extras, but uh, it is out on Blu-ray at long last from Kino Lorber. And then also out from uh, Cinema Epic in a special two-disc collector's edition is the, uh, the new two-disc edition of Takashi Miike's Gozu. Now, Gozu, I'm not even going to try to describe what this is about either. Uh, did you ever see Gozu? Oh, yes, I did. It's insane. Yes, it is. Totally it's Takashi Miike. It's, it's nuts. It's just completely wacky, and there's, a, there's, like a, there's, a, there's, a, there's this weird, switchy, changey thing that happens halfway through this movie that'll just completely throw you for a loop. Uh, the reason that I recommend this here we go. is uh, because here there's we a go. fantastic uh, audio commentary on here. But lame, by two lame people? With uh, Andy Klein and Wade Major. <laughs> Um, which one of those are you? Uh, I'm, I'm Andy Klein. Really? Yes. So anyway, uh, Gozu, we, which we did quite some time ago, but two-disc special edition can be had uh, with a whole, bo- a whole bunch of other cool stuff on it, by the way, including um, uh, interviews with uh, uh, Takashi Mika interview featuring uh, Guillermo del Toro and Eli Roth and a featurette and you know, a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, very, very cool stuff. Tons and tons of good extras, including, of course, our great commentary, which I, I have to laugh because when we first did that commentary, I remember reading some reviews of the commentary, and, and they, they were like raving. They were like, oh, wow, what a great commentary. Fantastic. These guys did a great job. And Andy, our, our only recollection, Andy and I, and we just did a couple of Chabral commentaries for, for Cohen the other day, and... Um, we're talking about this. I'm like, what do you remember from that Mika interview? He's like, I just remember we didn't have the slightest idea. what we, we just sat there going, that's really weird. Isn't that weird, Andy? It's pretty weird, Wade. Wade, what do you think of that? I think it's weird, Andy. Me too. Pretty weird. That's like, it's like two hours of us declaring how weird the movie is. I have a feeling that's not the case. No, it's, it's, it's better than that. But, you know. It's just slightly. Slightly, though. Slightly. Because the bar is pretty low for audio commentaries. Uh, also on Blu-ray, Post Tenebra Looks. Which is the new film from uh, the unbelievably, uh, in my opinion, untalented uh, Mexican director who just absolutely drives... Wait, who? Who is untalented? The, uh, the, the uh, director of post Tenebra Looks, Carlos Regadas, who previously did Japón... Oh, and who also did uh, Battle in Heaven. You remember Battle in Heaven? Uh, yes, I do. I showed you the beginning of Battle in Heaven, and uh, it, where a, a certain a certain portly, uh, uncinematic, uncamera-friendly gentleman is receiving oral copulation from the lead actress in the movie. Yes. And your reaction was, "It looks like a ginger root." I know. You know what? He yeah. he showed his full Monty. He did. And it was uh, ginger root. It was ginger root. Anyway, Carlos Regatas, not a fan. Post Tenebra looks better than his previous two films, I will say this, but he's just still too, I don't know, he just, uh, it won an award at Cannes, but it's just, it's whatever, it's, he's just too into himself. He's not my favorite Mexican director these days, but anyway, if you like his stuff, Post Tenebra looks, Light After Darkness from Strand on Blu-ray. Strand doesn't do a lot of stuff on Blu-ray, but visually they found this film to be worth the, 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 you know, the effort. And uh, before I throw a couple to you, I just want to make mention of Late Ray, which is a new Eclipse uh, release, Eclipse Series 40. I can't believe they released 40 of these already. And Late Ray does not mean Ray, who won our, our contest uh, for, the, uh, for the giveaway uh, back in December. No, this is Satyajit Ray, the uh, Indian director. And these are three films that otherwise would probably not be justifiable in individual releases. The Home in the World, An Enemy of the People, and The Stranger. Um, Ray's films were restored some years ago uh, through the efforts of, uh, um, uh, well, Sony Pictures Classics released them, but it was primarily um, 
James Ivory and Ismail Merchant, who you know financed a, an effort to restore all of them, and did a great job. And uh, so these all look absolutely beautiful, not on Blu-ray, just DVD, but man, they look absolutely fantastic. And uh, uh, it's pretty great. So, so definitely check these out. Beautiful films from the great Bengali filmmaker. Uh, we have uh, two movies from uh, two great filmmakers, Wade. We have um, from Pedro Almodovar, we have kind of his overlooked but uh, frothy and fun, I'm So Excited. Ooh. This is about uh, passengers on a uh, on an airline flight, and the pilots are having trouble controlling the plane. There's an issue with the plane. And uh, so it's what the flight attendants and the uh, air passengers do while the pilots try to regain control of the plane. So this thing sees Amadovar in very frothy, playful, fluffy mode, but still no one does it like him. And I thought this movie was kind of a little bit underappreciated. Um, it's fun. It's a fun little movie. It's, I'm not going to say it's not frivolous because it is, but uh, it's terrific. It's not first-rate Almodovar, but it's Almodovar in a, uh, in a playful mood, and that's always a good thing. So it's on DVD. looks pretty good. Uh, it's got a uh, uh, featurette, a making of, which is like whatever. But still, if you, wanna, if you, if you like Almodovar... And uh, maybe you missed this because this kind of came and went. I would definitely check out. Uh, I'm so excited. Wade Criterion's got some uh, good stuff coming up. And I got the first one right here in front of me in my hand. Yes. Throne of Blood, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Akira Kurosawa reimagines Macbeth oh. from 1957. This is uh, one of the great greats. movie. That's huh? such a great movie. And it's a great movie. I just think Kurosawa is finally getting, uh, now that Criterion is redoing all their DVDs to Blu-ray, the Kurosawa's are starting to come along. They're starting to come around. Yep. So it's just great. It's expressionistic and it's visually it's just ravishing and it's it's really you know it's actually one of the best adaptations of any Shakespeare play. True. That's like the Brana, the Orson yep. Welles. I no, mean, it's it like is. right up there. It is. Even it's, though it's a reimagining, it's still basically Hamlet. It, it be, but it, it it's almost more true to the spirit of Hamlet uh, than to, or to the, sorry Macbeth, the the spirit of Macbeth. Right than anything else, it's yeah. just it's it re- it gets re- it's just really good. It's great stuff, and really it looks good. terrific. It's in black and white, folks, but that's okay. It looks terrific, and the audio is it's mono audio. Not much yeah. going on there, but as usual, there's a lot of great extras on it because this is Criterion. There's a documentary on the making of the film. Uh, there's a couple subtitle translations. There's a DVD. There's a booklet, of course, because Criterion's always have a booklet, and there's an audio commentary featuring a Japanese film expert Michael Jack, which I liked a lot. So, uh, Throne of Blood, Wade, Akira Kurosawa, Criterion, Blu-ray, do it. it. You know, anyone who's a fan of the uh, the anime film uh, Millennium Actress, there's a reference to this in Millennium Actress. Just saying, you know, Millennium Actress, not everyone's favorite anime, but it was about 10 years ago or whatever. It was interesting. Okay, quickly, uh, I'm just going to burn through the rest of these these foreign films really fast. Uh, Café de Flore by uh, the uh, French-Canadian director Jean-Marc Vallée is worth seeing because Jean-Marc Vallée recently is now the director of a freaking Best Picture nominee. You realize that? Yes. Isn't that amazing? Dallas Buyers Club. Dallas Buyers Club. I love Vallée. I mean, he's pre- he previously did uh, also uh, Young Victoria, which I loved. I mean, young Frankenstein? It? No, Young Victoria. <laughs> uh, starring Emily Blunt as the young Queen Victoria. I think he's an enormously talented director. I honestly think Dallas Buyers Club is probably the least interesting film directorially that he's made. But they made it for like like $4 million, that movie. Does that look like a $4 million no, movie? No, really. Isn't that amazing? That's surprising. I know. They made that for like next to nothing. Everybody just took a bath on that. Um, it looks like a $15 million movie. Totally. It really does. Anyway, he, uh, he made Café de Flore, 
um, a little over a year ago, and uh, back in uh, 2012. And it's it's a fascinating kind of existential story. It takes two different stories actually that take place in the 60s and in the present day about two different women and how their lives connect. And I'm not going to tell you how their lives connect. It's absolutely fascinating, beautifully done, very poetic, very existential. Uh, first-rate uh, performances from Vanessa Paradis, who is no longer the uh, almost Mrs. Johnny Depp, now that he's engaged to... Um, are they engaged? He and Mandy Lane are engaged. Amber Heard? All the boys love Mandy Lane. Wow. But only Johnny Depp's going to marry Mandy Lane. What? That was, that was my psycho music. I don't know what just happened. The okay. last seven seconds just erased from your mind. <laughs> Kevin Parent, uh, Hélène Florent, and Evelyn Brochu co-star, but Vanessa Paradis is so good in this. Can't believe that uh, she's like old enough to be playing these parts. I remember when she was like a teen pop star. A couple of Jean-Luc Godard films from Cohen. I so love the people at Cohen. Uh, they've been really good to me and to a lot of my colleagues just letting us do such great audio commentary work. And uh, a couple from um, uh, mid-80s and the mid-90s. That would be Hail Mary and Forever Mozart. Forever Mozart from the, uh, like, 1996. Really interesting Godard film. One of the few, like, fairly recent Godard films that I didn't think was just self-indulgent on a level of just astronomic. No, not at all. This is really interesting. Uh, primarily takes place in Sarajevo, and it's very self-reflexive in that contempt kind of way. Really, really an interesting film. Beautiful on Blu-ray. And then Hail Mary, uh, which is uh, you know not not quite as good, but this is from the uh, the mid '80s, 1985. Oh, There's a baby. That's that's my daughter. Babies, my daughter. they think they're so smart. Yes. She wants to be on the podcast. No, she doesn't. She's, She's too smart to be on our podcast. She's not forever immortalized on the podcast. Babies. Anyway, Forever Mozart featuring uh, one of the great early performances from Juliette Binoche, who was kind of a, a, a new deal at the time. And um, really, really great supporting performances also by, by uh, Lohan Lazen, uh, Anne Gautier, Thierry Rode, Philippe Lacoste, uh, Miriam Russell. Really good. It's a good cast. Not his best film, I don't think. A lot of people really love it. But uh, Also out from Kino Lorber in uh, DVD and Blu-ray is Himalaya, which was an Oscar nominee some years ago. Eric Valley, French director, uh, directed this, and it was the official uh, Oscar submission for Nepal at the time, the only film ever nominated for an Academy Award from Nepal. Um, amazing movie. All these people are non-actors. Did you, did you ever see this, Himalaya? I did not. It's incredible. It's just, it's basically the, the nomads playing themselves. You know, Eric Valley is not really naturally a filmmaker. He's a National Geographic photographer. And he made a movie about these nomads in, in the Himalayas who need to make this horrible, treacherous journey through all kinds of inclement conditions down to the lowlands so that they can trade salt for grain. They have salt, but they don't have grain because they live too high. So they go, they go down once a year, and they bring all this salt, and it's like yaks are falling off cliffs, and it's just, it's an amazing movie. It's extraordinary. They, you realize that you can live in America and go to a Seven Eleven and get all the salt and grain you want. You know what? Um, my wife at the time, uh, who wasn't as fond of the film, she said, "I don't understand why they don't just move to where the grain is." That's the thing. I, and it I said, "I'm sense. sure there's, it, 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 it's their lifestyle. There's a thing. I'm sure there's a thing." And when I when I, I interviewed Eric Valley at the time at that uh, horrible Standard Hotel in uh, in Hollywood, where everything is upside down and weird, and uh, we're sitting on the floor because he's all you know, like like it, treating it like it's a yurt or something. And uh, I said to him, "I said, look." My wife had this, uh, this question. She said, <laughs> she said, you know, why don't they just move to where the grain is? I mean, really, right? And he looks at me and he goes, that's a very good question. 
So that was it. That was it. He had no insight, no, no answer. No insight whatsoever. So he li- he li- lived with these people for a year making a movie. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. They... The movie's now intellectually invalid. So, anyway, Leah Seydoux, who is uh, one of the extraordinary actresses in Blue is the Warmest Color, uh, before she made that in, uh, extraordinary movie, uh, she was in the, um, the Swiss film Sister. Did you see Sister, Mark? No. 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 Great movie. This is from Adopt Films. Uh, Sister is was the Swiss submission for the Academy Award, and it's really fascinating. It's about a couple of uh, orphans, young woman and and, uh, and a, 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 her brother, and um, it's it's quite interesting. I, I won't. They what they they basically scam people at a ski resort, but it's it, don't. But don't their parents stop them from doing that? I, no, they don't have parents. Why not? You got to see the movie. Amazing, amazing twist at the end where you just go, you. Bastards. Turns I'm out, sure. not her sister. Is that it? Be honest. I'm not going to tell oh, you. Oh, that's what it is. It. I've never I'm seen not, the movie. I'm not going to tell it's, you. It's a twist that it's not really her sister. I'm not going to tell you. Stop Bam. it. Stop it. Caesar Gods was... at digigods.com. Rent sister and let me know if I'm right. Is the twist, <laughs> twisted sister, is the twist that it's not, twisted they're, really, they're really not sisters. Caesar Must Die by the uh, Taviani brothers who are amazing. Uh, this won the Golden Bear at the uh, Berlin Film Festival and uh, did not get an Oscar nomination because Italy didn't submit it. Because Italy submitted The Great Beauty instead, and that got nominated. But uh, it's a really good movie, and uh, would have gotten an Oscar nomination if Italy had submitted. It was a good year for uh, for Italian movies. Uh, beautiful black and white uh, cinematography, uh, you know, of, of this performance of Shakespeare's Julius Caesar in a prison with prisoners. I mean, it's just such an interesting movie. Uh, and then also Rossellini's uh, Il Generale della Rovere with Vittorio De Sica. Uh, is out on Blu-ray from uh, the uh, the Raro Video line, rarovideo.com. Um, this has the director's cut and the theatrical cut on it. I don't think there's a huge difference uh, between the two. But, uh, you know, 1959, uh, one of the great uh, Rossellini films, certainly well worth uh, taking a look at. It was a big deal at the 1959 uh, Venice Film Festival, and um, it's based on the true story of a World War II um, figure named Emmanuel Bardone, who um, was involved in some rather interesting transactions, let's say. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Brand new transfer from Original Elements. Absolutely excellent. Um, uh, Therese is the um, very last film from Claude Miller, the great French director. Claude Miller uh, passed away uh, not too long after this film was made, and it is uh, based on a 1927 novel about a woman who's uh, basically bucking French society, as you can tell from Audrey Tautou's uh, photograph on the cover of the box, right, with the cigarette and the whole thing. She's, like, going to be this modern woman. Really good, beautiful period piece, great photography. Don't know why it's on blue, not on Blu-ray. It's only on DVD. Hannah Arendt, the new film from Margareta von Trotta, the great uh, German director from Zeitgeist, is on a Blu-ray. Zeitgeist does not do a lot of Blu-rays. This one is worth it because this is an absolutely stunning performance by Barbara Sukawa as the famous Hannah Arendt. Um, Hannah Arendt was uh, a, both a, you know, a, like a, this philosophical and political theorist and uh, just a huge brain who went to the 1961 trial of Adolf Eichmann and uh, reported on it for The New Yorker. And this is just a, hey, hi there. And uh, this is just a really, really great piece of drama, beautiful performance. Uh, if Zeitgeist had money for an awards campaign, you might have seen this woman nominated for Best Actress. Just pointing that out. And then a, uh, a German film that was nominated for the Academy Award was Barbara, 
which uh, was last year a, uh, a uh, submission. That also won a Silver Bear at the Berlin Film Festival for Best Director and uh, takes place in G- East Germany in 1980. Uh, it's about a young doctor who is trying to get out and uh, has, uh, she's just being moved around. They're trying to prevent her from being able to get out of the, uh, the Eastern German uh, dictatorship. Pretty great movie, really good performances, kind of underrated. Adopt Films, another company that didn't have the, uh, the wherewithal to really give this thing quite the push that it needed, but it's on Blu-ray now, and it is gorgeous. And then lastly, from the foreign realm, um, we have the fascinating You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Um, Mark, are you a, an Alan Rene fan? Uh, on and off. On and off? Why'd you like this? Uh, I, I kind of like it. It's beautifully shot. It's kind of weird. It's, it, it, here's, the, here's the deal. All the actors in it, they play themselves. And there's, there's like a kind of a phony funeral that they're all showing up for that's being staged so that they can all watch... They can all watch a reenactment of a play that they wind up reenacting kind so of... So art becomes life. It's kind of like within Within the context of it's, a movie, which is art. It, it Kind of. It's... It, well, it, it, okay. I mean, I, I thought it was interesting. It's, it's a bit of an experiment. Yeah, it's... It's, it's, it's bizarre, but it's somehow interesting. The, the, the play is uh, Eurydice, or Eurydice, or however you pronounce it. Um, by Jean Anouy, and the they've all been in the play. They've all been directed in various incarnations of the play on stage. All these actors, and then they wind up watching a reenactment of it, and then parts of the play wind up happening on screen and around them, and it all kind of integrates. And it's a little confusing, but somehow you're kind of with it, and you go, "All right, it's an Alain Rene film, whatever. It's at least ever the acting's good, and the photography is really dreamlike, and I'm in, I'm, I'm into it." Kind of Fellini-like, whatever. Anyway, uh, amazing cast. Only only somebody like Alain Rene could could phone up all these actors and go, "Do you want to be in my movie? Or you nouveau film?" Yeah, okay, sure. Wait, you realize that nobody listening to this podcast cares? Will watch this film? It's interesting. Matthew Amalric, uh, Pierre Arditi, uh, Sabina Zema. Uh, oh my God, Sabina An- Zema. Anne Consigny. Anne Consigny. Lam- Lambert Wilson. Lambert Wilson. Michelle Piccoli. Oh my God, Are you yeah. kidding? Right, right now, a bunch of twenty-one-year-old uh, uh, college kids are putting down their Ip- beer bong to go rent this movie. Hippolyte Giraudot. Oh my God. Yeah. It's a slam dunk. There you go. <laughs> All right, that's it for the uh, for the foreign language. Thank stuff. goodness, yes. Jesus, wait, okay. come on, Mark. Talk uh, talk to us about uh, Criterion, please. Get us back on track. Classic Criterion. Criterion. Uh, Wade, we have two things from Criterion. Uh, Nashville from Robert Allman. Let's do it. 1975, one of the uh, great 1970s uh, movie-making achievements from Altman. This is a, uh, it's sort of an all-encompassing view of the country's politics and culture at the time. And uh, people love this film, although I have a memory of Wade not liking this film. Do you not like this film? <sighs> I respect it. I, I think it's worth watching. It's really less about the story I, I, than it is I, about the tapestry it weaves. Every- I re- yeah, and I, I realize it was the first film since Grand Hotel, the first major English language film since Grand Hotel back in, you know, whatever it was, 31 or whatever, to sort of, you know, present these interlocking stories. And it's, 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 the, Altman, it's the first Altman film in that sense, right? It's the first time Altman went Altman on us. 
And I get it. I understand why it's historically important. Uh, I went to school with uh, uh, the son of one of the one of the actors in it, so I, I heard a lot of stories. And you know, Henry Gibson's son, you know, was Steve Gibson, uh, Jimmy, actually. Uh, <laughs> and and you know, so I heard a lot of the stories about it. And you know, Henry, of course, sings his own songs. And I get, I get, well, actually, I get. Every, everybody in the cast wrote their own song. I know. But at the end of the day, my reaction to it is, eh, you know. You're out of your mind. Anyway, this new documentary on the making of it featuring interviews with a lot of the actors who are still around, including Lily Tomlin, Keith Carradine, Michael Murphy. There's uh, three vintage interviews with Altman, which are all great because he's kind of a, he's so smart, but he's a little bit cantankerous. He's kind of a jerk. Yeah. I think he kind of had that reputation as being a yep, bit of a jerk. True. A little difficult, a little true. cantankerous. Uh, of course, a Blu-ray booklet. That's all good, too. Nashville. If you, don't, if you haven't heard of it, you don't have to buy it because uh, Criterions are kind of expensive. But uh, definitely rent it. Cool. Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion by Elio Petri. This is from uh, 1970. Uh, is it Petri? I don't even know. Um, he's an Italian. He, uh, this thing was an Oscar winner. It's a great, interesting, funky, crazy movie from a time in Italian filmmaking where a lot of interesting stuff was coming out. Um, it's kind of this character study about uh, this police, this Roman police investigator who's invest- investigating this crime. And I won't tell you who committed the crime because that's part of the fun, although it does say on the back of the box who committed the crime, but it's still <laughs> kind of fun. I'm not going to give it away. So what I liked about it is that is it's got this thing that is sort of simultaneously absurd and yet kind of like realistic. Mm-hmm. It's a very funky little movie, and it kind of. Now that I'm watching it once again, it makes me want to revisit Elio Petri's body of work because he was very politically oriented and uh, socially oriented, and it's definitely a great snapshot of the time in Italian history, especially Italian governmental history. So it's a great film, Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion. Not something you would ever think to uh, throw into the old Blu-ray player, but uh, it's really good stuff. And, of course, Criterion has a lot of great extras. There's a 90-minute documentary on um, Petri's career, a new, interv- a new interview with a film scholar who talks all about uh, the movie and, obviously, the director's career. Uh, good stuff with the composer, Ennio Morricone, from 2010. Ennio Morricone, by the way, coming to L.A. Really? One show. He's 85 years old. Wow. One show. And I've already gone online to see how much tickets are. It's like in March. Sold out? It's not sold out, but the worst tickets are like $250. Oh, forget that. I can listen to the, the DVDs. Uh, being Oscar season, everybody does this. They blow out you know, Oscar movies that have never been on, on Blu-ray, that are going to be on Blu-ray, that are being re-released on Blu-ray. Anyway, um, first of all, back in December, this came out. And uh, we're going to make mention of it right now. Terms of Endearment finally came out on Blu-ray. Yay. What I find fascinating about this is that this Paramount is a, must love this movie to put it out on Blu-ray. Oh, no, Paramount didn't release this. Well, but wait, it, Warner, won, it Warner, won the Oscar for Best Picture. Yeah, Warner Brothers is releasing this because oh. Paramount uh, turned over their entire library to Warner Brothers. Isn't this the irony? In 1982, the films that were like vying for Best Picture, it was the right stuff in terms of endearment. In terms of endearment, won, and the right stuff lost. Flash forward, you know, uh, 30-some-odd years or 20 years, whatever we are now. We're 30 years, my goodness. Flash forward 30 years, 32 years, and uh, Warner Brothers has given the right stuff, the gold treatment, Blu-ray book, knock it through the through, into the bleachers. This is just a killer special. And Paramount does what with Terms of Endearment? Turn it over to Warner Brothers. It's like the film that actually won 
is now being treated like chopped liver. It's a fine Blu-ray. It's perfectly decent. It, it's not going to you know, knock your socks off, and it only has a commentary on it that features James L. Brooks uh, and a trailer, and that's it. I mean, this should have had a big whiz-bang special edition, uh, at least on, or- on the order of the right stuff, but it didn't because Paramount no longer values its library. Also out is uh, In the Heat of the Night, which won Best Picture in 1967. I want it. Pretty great. Uh, This is from Fox. Fox does a very good job with this. Uh, They don't usually do great jobs on some of their special editions. It's not quite a special edition, but it's got a good commentary with uh, Norman Jewison and Rod Steiger and Haskell Wexler, of course, recorded some time ago, since obviously Rod Steiger has not been with us for a very long time. And uh, it's got some featurettes on it, and uh, one with Quincy Jones, which is quite good, and uh, still a really good movie, I gotta say. Really good movie, In the Heat of the Night. Totally, yep. still, totally still stands up. Yep. All the President's Men, in oh! a beautiful two disc special edition from Warner Brothers. There's been a bunch of All the President's Men Blu rays and there, DVDs. Th- th- this is the one you want. It's really good. It's got a, a brand new documentary, All the President's Men Revisited, uh, which Robert Redford narrates. And uh, gets in all the Watergate stuff and really contextualizes the film beautifully. That alone is worth the price of admission. Uh, the great late Alan J. Pakula has never made a better film. Oh, uh, this film is just magnificent. And might have made a better film if he hadn't gotten impaled by a rod while driving his car on the... A lot. I think it's like Long Island Expressway or something. It is so bizarre. bizarre. But anyway, the, the, for the 40th anniversary of Watergate, by the way. So anyway, uh, All the President's Man, otherwise known as the film that Rocky beat. You realize that? The film that Rocky Rocky beat. won best uh, oh, yeah, yeah. best picture over. Well, this. well, in 1976, that was like the classic. I mean, what like everybody, everybody remembers except me at this moment. The yeah. five films that were up for best picture, yeah. like is Rocky, All the President's Men, like Network, Bound for Glory, all these amazing films. Yeah, and Rocky, the bicentennial underdog, the, the Academy loved that story. It's a movie about an underdog, and it's going to be the underdog winner. Yeah, but it's not the number one. It's the least. It's the least interesting of those five films. Yes. And then, of course, uh, uh, you know, 40 years later, we had Grudge Match, where yeah. Rocky takes on uh, Robert De Niro. As, uh, anyway, and then we also have a chorus line. The, the bizarre, misbegotten, misbegotten Richard Attenborough film, uh, 20th release this. This is not an Oscar winner. It doesn't have any extras on it other than a trailer. It's on Blu-ray. The only reason we make mention of this is because this is how Richard Attenborough chose to follow up his eight Academy Award win for Gandhi with a chorus line. Now, you've just won eight Academy Awards for an epic called Gandhi. What do you do for an encore? Well, I think I'll do an adaptation of uh, a Broadway musical, Chorus Line. Well, at the time. What? what? At the time, Chorus Line was a phenomenon. David Lean, you've just won eight Academy Awards for Lawrence of Arabia. What are you going to do for an encore? Oh, I think I'll do, uh, you know, uh, some musical. What? Well, Richard, well, David Attenborough was... Richard Attenborough. I mean, David Attenborough. Richard Attenborough was never, like, a super... Serious, he's not a lenient music, he's, director. He's not a musical the guy. The guy's like an actor. He's in Jurassic Park saying, the dinosaurs are going to kill us all. It's like, he's just not that guy. It's Whatever. Like, Gandhi's almost the anomaly in his career more than the chorus line. And I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you this. This will mean nothing to anybody except Wade. Can I tell you where I saw a chorus line? Where'd you see chorus line? At the Plit Theater in Century City. I love the Plit. <laughs> I'm so fond of the Plit. And now, right. and, and now the Plit Theater is like uh, that. Uh, it's, it's like the uh, CAA building or something. Yeah, it's sad. It's the, 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 dark, the Death Star now. Mark, we were. Go- I'm, I'm going to let you run with this. We were going to talk about this and go, "Hey, you know, uh, new release is out because the the sequel is out and it's being so success." And the sequel kind of uh, opened big and then died. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But Mark, oh. what are we, we talking about here? Anchorman. I love Anchorman. I'm going to say there's too many Anchorman DVDs and Blu-rays and VHSs and Laserdiscs and, and everything. Yeah. It's just too many of them. There were. So 
This is a, a two-disc set, three versions of the film, unrated on, on the unrated cut, the theatrical cut, and something called Wake Up Ron Burgundy. There's 36 deleted scenes, trading cards, Ron's private diaries. I, I have to say that um, I love Anchorman just as much as anybody, but I, I'm, I'm done now. Yeah. If you already have an Anchorman Blu-ray, it's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. But if you don't have an Anchorman Blu-ray, go ahead, go ahead and get this. And yeah. I thought Anchorman 2 was really funny. Totally. Oh, it's the best. Anchorman is the best. Anchorman 2, it's the bestester. It's even bestester. And then last of the classic films, before I get into our giveaway, and then we'll wrap out the show, is uh, The Blue Angel. The Blue Angel is, uh, is, is a pretty great movie. And uh, if you haven't seen it, it's one of the classic German movies from the sound era, 1930, right coming out of that whole Weimar thing and into the sound era. Um, really an extraordinary movie, uh, directed by Joseph von Sternberg, obviously starring the, uh, the very young but still dazzling Marlena Dietrich. And this is in a new two-disc Ultimate Edition on Blu-ray from the people at Kino Classics. It is just superb. It is really something to look at. Um, you know, Emil Jannings, who is also a huge guy in the, uh, in the uh, silent era, stars in this as well. Does a great job. Um, the, this has been completely restored from archival elements, uh, meticulously so. It's never been on Blu-ray before. You get a uh, scene comparison of uh, the two different versions here. You uh, get Marlena Dietrich's screen test for the film, and as well as a lot of concert and interview footage. It is, uh, it is really first-rate. It comes with a, uh, a little cardboard sleeve, which tells you it's special. It's a two-disc edition on Blu-ray from Kino. The Blue Angel, uh, a classic of German cinema, and a classic of just cinema in general from the 1930s. You've got to check it out. Really, really great. Um, it's considered Weimar cinema, but I almost consider it like post... I mean, it's of the Weimar period, but in terms of style... I consider it almost a post-Weimar film. What I consider says, is... So um, says Wade. What I consider is this line from Dean Martin, roast of Muhammad Ali. Yeah. He's a great fighter, a great wit, and a great humanitarian. I say that out of respect, out of esteem, and out of fear. <laughs> and actually, that was the one where, uh, where Billy Crystal, young Billy Crystal, just breaking in, had made his, done his famous impersonation on the yeah. roast where he said, I'm so fast, I can turn out the lights in my bedroom and be in the bed before the room gets dark. Sweet. Come on. Very nice. Funny. All right. You know what? Uh, the lovely people at, uh, at Epic Pictures are uh, being very kind enough to provide a giveaway of Vikingdom for us, which we're going to talk about right now. They have three DVDs and three posters uh, as prize packages that uh, we will send to whoever sends us emails at godsdigigods.com. With the word Viking, you don't have to spell Vikingdom. It'll 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 confuse you. So just write Viking, V-I-K-I-N-G, in the subject line. Send it to GodsDigiGods.com. Please include your ad, your mailing address, and we will we will choose three very lucky people to uh, win a uh, a DVD of Vikingdom and a poster of Vikingdom. And uh, if you're wondering what is Vikingdom, uh, Vikingdom is uh, is actually a surprisingly really really you know when you when you see a lot of these direct DVD things and you go oh my gosh it's uh, you know that that's got to be low budget that's got to it's not actually it's uh, it's astonishing what a what a really good job they do with this a lot of fun Def- if you like the the whole action fantasy genre the Lord of the Ringsy thing if you like Hong Kong action films um, it com- if you if you like the Thor films it perfectly splits the difference of all of those. And it's incredibly creative. Unfortunately, because it's not based on a comic book and it's not an adaptation of, uh, you know, some known myth because it's entirely original, that dirty word, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it winds up going direct to DVD. But it's better than most of the crap that I see on, um, 
in theatrical release. So definitely check it out. Really, uh, really very, very nicely done. It is, it is loosely based on Viking mythology. Dominic Purcell plays a, plays a king who has to wage this supernatural battle for this uh, kind of uh, Holy Grail-type artifact called Odin's Horn. Um, and yes, Thor is a figure in, in it, but not the Thor of, of the comic book, the Thor of actual mythology. Pretty cool. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Definitely a great genre film for what it is. And uh, you send us that. You send us those emails, and we will pick some winners, and you will get to enjoy it too. Mark, with that, we are done. Wait, and I have one more. Yes. This is uh, Phyllis Diller from the roast of Ronald Reagan. Ah, uh, there we go. Uh, Governor Reagan started out as an underweight, inexperienced, untalented dishwasher in Tampico, Illinois. Unfortunately, he never lived up to his early promise. What? I don't get it. All right. All right, goodbye, everyone. All right, see you next week.